The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You're listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 64. We are continuing our series on unpacking the secret, and this is going to be our third episode wrapping up the philosophies behind the understanding of a law of attraction and the secret and all of that good stuff. Today, we're going to talk about feelings. There's a good author uh, that I enjoy who actually wrote a book called Feeling is the Secret. And it is absolutely vital that you understand how feelings play a role in the law of attraction. Yes, you are a perfect reflection of your beliefs. You are what you think. But more importantly, and possibly the most accurately, you are what you feel. So we're going to unpack that a little bit. Hopefully, you'll hear things you've never heard. You'll learn how to change your life. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll even feel better in the process. So... Kick back, relax, and let's have some fun and get started. Man, we are all the way at episode number 64. I just uh, saw that... uh, Reckless Pursuit just did their 100th episode. Congratulations, you guys. 100 episodes, that's pretty awesome. I'm I'm a little bit further behind you, but I have no doubt that we will be hitting those numbers. And uh, who knows how long this podcast and uh, your guys's and some of the others in this this new age journey, this new age Christian journey. I I don't know. There's a a lot of people like those of us in this community that are Christians or new agers or just, you know, quote unquote, spiritual seekers. That, uh, you know, we've kind of adopted a more open mindset, open-minded mindset to uh, our journeys and the pursuit of truth and the pursuit of understanding ourselves and each other. And I think for me, a good label is calling us New Age Christians. I I know for me that that label has served exactly the purpose that I wanted it to. I was I looked for years for a label to give to people that... Could, could kind of accomplish what a label is meant to accomplish, right? It's meant to give people a bit of a framework so that they can think that they know you right away. And in that case, a lot of people hate labels, but you know, they serve a purpose. And then in other ways, it's meant to uh, be a bit offensive and anybody who's super religious just gets scared of it right away and judges it right away. And perfect, because I'm not interested in, in that conversation anyway. And uh, so I'm a new age Christian. I know uh, in the pop- podcast episode with uh uh, Cody and Elaine with Reckless Pursuit, that uh, they identified themselves at the end as New Age Christians. They thought was a an appropriate label. And uh, so, anyways, congratulations, you guys. If you've not listened to their podcast, go check it out. They're, um, as we've talked about uh, with them, they're one link down the chain uh, from where we're at on this podcast. They're, if you're a um, Christian who's asking questions and and maybe some of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast is a little bit further down the line than what you were looking for. Check out Reckless Pursuit. They've got some great content and uh, they're really, really good people. So anyway, today's episode, we are continuing our series on unpacking the secret. And we're going to talk about the the last uh, bit of the philosophy behind the secret. As I said in the intro, feeling. So Neville Goddard is Neville Goddard Goddard I don't know Neville Goddard is a uh, a teacher from the New Thought movement back from the early 1900s. He was a contemporary of a few of my other favorites. I've mentioned Thomas Troward a bunch. You have Alan Watts. Uh, Neville Goddard is definitely a high level person in that conversation. He wrote a book called Feeling Is the Secret, and if you go listen to any of his teachings, any of his old audio recordings you can tell he kind of gives you these uh, prescriptions on how to visualize and stuff like that. And you, he emphasizes to the nth degree that if you don't feel it and, and that you need to get the emotional state of your existence engaged in the process 
to a certain point, and if you, <laughs> I remember hearing one of his teachings, he described kind of working yourself self up into this emotional, um, creative lather, if you will, to, that it was this process where you, that you dig deep and you keep kind of priming that pump and you work your emotions up until they basically have, they explode, right? And they, and you feel this release. And to be honest, it sounded like he was explaining, describing an orgasm, um, which uh, (laughs) looking between the lines on some of his teachings, that may be exactly what he was describing. But um, the idea that your feelings kind of work their way to this place of release, right? And um, not to be graphic, but uh, this, we're all adults here. It is essentially kind of that emotional orgasm, that, that release of it is finished, it is done, I have what I've asked for, and then you move on with your day, you move on with your life. They, in the, in the movie, or in the book, The Secret, they don't talk a whole lot about why feelings are so important, and then they don't really give you a whole lot of um, tools on how to kind of hack your feelings and and use them. They just tell you that it's really important, and they tell you a few ways to kind of check in on what you're really attracting, which I'll cover that as well. But uh, I kind of want to start with, you know, feelings are, feeling is the secret because feelings are always in the now, Right. Feelings being in the now uh, is the primary reason why if you do not, all the thoughts in the world, I mean, any of us who grew up in church or grew up in a mindfulness movement or whatever, we've been taught that, you know, you are what you think or you watch your thoughts and you need to, and, and we believe that we're prosperous. We believe that we're righteous. We believe that we're chosen. We believe that we're healthy, wealthy, and wise, and all of these things, and yet our lives don't reflect it. It's because your your head beliefs, as we talked about it in, I believe it was the last episode where, or maybe the first episode, where 95% of what you're thinking isn't in your head. It's not conscious thought, right? Thoughts become things is a true statement, but if anything is true, there's a way in which it is true. Conscious thoughts do not become things. Again, as a, as a refresher, you know, when you get uh, a postcard in the mail from a buddy who's traveling to Africa and it's a picture of an elephant and you think of an elephant, you don't immediately have an elephant in your room. Thoughts become things is true at the, it's the most true on the emotional level or the feeling level. So thoughts becoming things is really about the things in your life. You can flip that that things have resulted from your thought. And so if you want to know, I love in the movie, they say, you know, how do I, what have I been attracting, right? What am I attracting right now? Well, you can go through, you can do an inventory of your thoughts. And one of the things, I actually did this particular inventory two days ago. Yeah, two days ago, uh, that I was having a particularly frustrating day relationally at work. And I was, it was a pretty crappy day. And I was miserable, right? And I was driving home from work and I finally kind of was able to get to this moment of clarity. I thought I stopped and there's an exercise that I recently heard on a movie called Unsinkable. And it's a kind of a law of attraction movie, but it's about when rough things happen and the secret to bouncing back. And I watched it and this lady gave this thought. She said, so whenever you're feeling terrible, stop and ask yourself, what am I thinking right now? And so two days ago, I was feeling terrible and I stopped and I asked myself and I thought, what am I thinking right now? And what I was thinking was variations on no matter what I do, it's not good enough, right? No matter how hard I try, it's not good enough. Then I stopped and I thought, well, no wonder I feel like crap because that's a crappy thought, right? No matter what you do, you're a failure. No matter what you do, it's not good enough. That's a terrible thought. Am I surprised that I feel terrible? No, no, it's, it's actually perfectly logical that I am thinking that and therefore I would feel that. And so I couldn't stop and told you right away, Hey, what are you thinking? Cause it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious choice to feel bad. Right? So when you flip it and you realize, wait a minute, I feel bad. Why? 
it is a hundred percent of the time because the results of your thinking, and I'm talking about emotionally bad. I'm not talking about, you know, being sick to your stomach. I'm talking about when you feel emotionally upset, when you feel emotionally frustrated, sad, angry, whatever, it is not because of what somebody else is doing. It's because of what you're thinking about what somebody else is doing. It's what you're thinking about this event that happened. It's what you're thinking about a mistake you made. It is your thinking that is making you feel a certain way. So feeling is a barometer. Feelings are the, the way you can know what you're really thinking. I wish somebody would have unpacked this for me years ago when I started to buy into the whole Christian presentation of watch your thoughts and be careful what you think type of thing or the confession of your mouth. And while all that is true, there's a way in which it is true, right? And so I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, but there is no amount of, (laughs) there's no amount of being a centurion for your mind that can make you think positively all the time. As a matter of fact, you can't monitor it consistently enough to to catch it. You have to think about other things. You have to just sit there for five minutes and try to watch your thoughts. And I promise you, unless you're used to meditating, which is a whole other discussion that would that would be a, a whole class in itself that I still need to take personally. Uh, Joe Dispenza does some great teachings on meditation and the process to become skilled at it. So unless you're skilled at meditation, let me just, you know, Sit for five minutes and try to watch your thoughts and just laugh at yourself at your inability to just observe your thoughts for more than about 15 seconds at a time, right? You, (laughs) your mind does its own thing, right? And it goes off and it thinks about this, this conversation or that thing you need to buy or this, this stress or that problem or whatever, this random thought about golfing or whatever, like it, it is constantly chattering and you're expecting to monitor that thing and use the law of attraction to change your life on top of that, realizing that 95% of the things you really think aren't even in your conscious mind. Anyway, it's a complete waste of time to try to use conscious thought and the monitoring of conscious thought. It is a waste of time on multiple levels. Not only even if you could, it wouldn't work because it's only 5% of the equation, and most of us can't. So don't even mess with it. Forget trying to monitor your conscious thoughts. Forget trying to catch your friends and family on these little confessions. Oh my gosh. I've lived in a community of, of faith, and we've traveled together for a long time. I, I, <laughs> I am so happy that we are out of that phase. And any of you who've been on a journey with other people, you know what I'm talking about. You know that phase where all of your friends and family, because you're all realizing just how important your thoughts are and how important your confession is, you all spend like half of your conversations calling each other out on, well, that's not a good confession. And why did you say it that way? And is that fear and everything? Like we would spend so much time trying to like make sure that everything we all said was full full of enough faith and not negative or anything like that. And the reality is, is one, that's 5% of what's really going on. And two, you can't catch it all. So why even try? What you can do is monitor your feelings. Now, in the beginning, it's still hard when you start feeling like crap and you have the reason to, right? You, well, the, she said that, he said this, and this happened, and I got in a car accident, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm having a bad day. And now I feel like crap. The reality is, is that the bad day is still in your head. Have you ever thought of a way, have you ever had a day that was just so good that even if you did have a fender bender, it probably wouldn't have bothered you, right? That a fender bender would be like, well, and at least no one's, you know, hurt and we have insurance and it's, it's all good. And you go about your day and you make your phone calls to your insurance company and you deal with the problem. It doesn't plunge you into hell and it doesn't just, it isn't the source of your unhappiness. Your mind is, right? So in the beginning, even feeling terrible will feel normal. But if it's way easier to start monitoring your feelings than it is to monitor your thoughts. On top of that, your feelings are where the other 95% really dwell. And let me explain. 
So because your feelings are always in the now, when you get to the philosophical underpinnings of how the creative process in the individual works, your mind, and so like they use, you know, visualization and stuff. You can visualize where you will be uh, tomorrow. The problem is, is that tomorrow has an energy and it's always the energy of tomorrow. So if you will be rich someday and your mind, you will be rich someday, guess what? You will always be rich someday. It's never today, right? Or I used to be rich and you think about the past and you dwell on the past or I'm, you dwell on, I'm not going to be this way anymore. I'm not going to be this way anymore. I'm not going to be this way. And that's that whole negative thing, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that the uh, conscious mind is only creative or the, the, the creative process of the individual is only affirmative. So it can't create negatives. So dwelling on the past usually overrides what you want to create and it just creates more of the same. And dwelling on the future always puts it in your future. And so that is why putting it in the now, the now has a very, very specific energy. And when your thought is in the now, and your thoughts can be in the now, right? And the, and the secret spends a decent amount of time talking about putting your thoughts in the now, that when you're driving that car, imagine driving that car right now and, and, and feel yourself driving that car. And that's where the real rub is, is thinking that I'm driving myself right now Yet, I'm also thinking that um, it's not, I'm going to have to get that car someday. And then you never get the car. So instead of monitoring your thoughts, instead of trying to get your thoughts to be the thing in the now, realize it is your feelings that are always in the now. You cannot feel happy tomorrow. You can only feel happy today. Now, you could feel happy about tomorrow, but you're still feeling it right now. Feelings are not outside of time and space. They are trapped completely in time and space. They are now. This this actually is the complete opposite of what Eckhart Tolle teaches about time. I believe that the mind is outside of time. That's why you can go into tomorrow and yesterday and that. And that the soul and the feelings are always in the now. They are the very essence of matter and vibration. They cannot time travel. They are stuck in time right now. That is why feeling is the secret because create creation to get something into the now, you need to create it now. If you want to create something for your life now, being in your head for tomorrow or someday will always be tomorrow or someday. That is why, and the secret, the, the movie does a decent job of explaining that you need to feel it now, but they don't explain why. This is why. Because the mind is outside of time and it can touch the joy of like, oh my gosh, and then I would have my dream house and I'd have drive my dream car and I'd go on my dream vacation and I'd have my dream life someday. When you're done visualizing, do you feel like you have your dream life? Until you feel like you have your dream life, until you feel like you're healthy, until you feel like you have the money you need, until you feel the release that Neville Goddard talks about of the emotion in the now, just know you still have more work to do. And your creative process, because, and again, you can, you can interrupt it for 95, for 5% of the time. And go, no, I, I'm, I'm thinking prosperity. That's great. And that's helpful. Don't not do that. Just realize that the other 95% of the time where you're working and you're eating and you're sleeping and you're driving and you're talking to your friends, family, all this other time, there's a feeling, there's an energy underneath that is the core of who you are. It's your program. It's the 95% subconscious reality. And that is where your feelings come from. If I say Barack Obama, and I know there's some of you who listen to this podcast who went, why the crap did you just say that name? right? And it makes you feel something. It's because those feelings are the subconscious reality. They're not conscious. Those feelings don't come from a conscious reaction. Barack Obama, let me weigh and measure. No, bam, you know how you feel, either positive or negative. Donald Trump, right? Oh my gosh, I love Barack Obama. Oh my gosh, Donald Trump's the best president in the earth. What? Like, those feelings immediately rise up, you don't have to try to make them happen. Feelings are the barometer of that 95%. If you're, if you're a computer 
and you have a one of your uh, an app open that kind of tells you the performance of your computer, that CPU usage that's like, I don't know, if, uh, maybe I'm getting way too deep in technology here. You know, your CPU is doing, let's say, 100% of the work, 5% of it is actually the program you're running on the surface, and 80, 90, 95% of it is these background programs that you don't even know what the crap they're doing, right? But you can pull up the, the, the CPU monitor thing and see what's really happening. This is what your feelings are. They are your human monitor, right? When you say something, hear something, see something, experience something, your feelings are the barometer for what you really believe, what you really think. So if you want to know what you really think about your wealth, if you want to know what you really think about your dream life, I mean that, how do you feel? You want to know what you're attracting right now? How are you feeling? Now, the beautiful thing is, is that we all want to feel happy and excited and hopeful all the time anyway. So it should not be that hard to want to activate and grow this skill that, well, I want to be happy anyways all the time. So, okay, I need to just become an expert in monitoring my feelings. I need to become an expert in, in digging into, okay, I feel like crap. What am I thinking right now? Oh, I'm thinking X, Y, and Z. No wonder I feel like crap. That was me. I feel, I'm thinking that I'm, and no matter what I do, I'm not good enough. That is a terrible thought. I would be so shocked if that made me feel good, right? So then I spent 10 minutes as I'm driving. I was actually carpooling, so I was riding. And I'm just looking out and I am just spent 10 minutes trying to figure out, well, what is a new thought that I can start thinking? And... I was think I I was I'm frustrated at work. I'm fr- there's a really there's a lot of frustrations right now, and my mind just wanted to go out all. The, I'm like, man, I'm in this. I'm because I'm in a negative energy. I'm in a negative thought pattern, but I'm aware of what's going on. So I'm looking for positive energy. Now this leads me right into my next point. Feelings can be hacked. Right, you can actually you know you ever heard of like life hacks right. Feelings, there's a life hack for your feelings. You don't have to. So I've just spent 20 minutes talking about how feelings are a result of your thoughts on a subconscious level. And and you can hack them through conscious thought. I was trying to do that yesterday. I was trying to hack my feelings by thinking about something different. Thinking about puppies or swimming or whatever that you love. If you can go there, you can hack your feelings. Now the challenge is, is when you're in a negative thought pattern or when you're in a negative feeling it's more difficult to jump to a new thought. And the reason it's more difficult to jump to a new thought is because you feel bad already, right? And so feeling bad elicits bad thoughts. That's why you spiral out of control. You feel bad, you think bad, you think bad, you feel bad, you feel bad, you think bad. And it usually happens, lasts all day. And then people can get into habitual reality. That's called depression, right? So if you want to hack your feelings and stop that cycle and you realize, okay, I'm monitored, I'm a, I'm a good human being and I am monitoring my feelings because I want to start attracting beautiful things and I'm done attracting problems. So maybe I should stop thinking about problems and feeling about problems. I want to feel great. Okay. That's a great decision. Start monitoring. But let's say you have a lot of junk going on in your life right now and it's really hard to change that mental track and you're just constantly on this problem energy track. You can hack your feelings through a few different ways. We kind of instinctively know this when you look at things like addiction, right? So you can hack your feelings by numbing numbing the mind, right? You can have alcohol, you can have uh, different hallucinogenics or psych, you know, uh, psychogenics, that's so not a word. Psychotic uh, drugs, why can't I think of the word for that? But uh, you can use food, right? A lot of people turn to sugar, right? And so I feel depressed, so I'm going to have a pint of ice cream or I'm going to have my favorite. And it is it helps for a while, and it is a genuine help. You're trying to hack your feelings by giving yourself an energetic boost or spike. Okay. But there's also other ways. So next time you feel like crap or you're super mad, like this, this is the best when you're mad. When you're super mad and you're just like, you're stewing in it, start jumping up and down and beating on your chest like an ape and just yell, just, ah, 
ah, right? And just jump up and down and jump and get your body moving, move your body and beat your chest and yell. And in the beginning, you're, you, you, you might actually be mad and you might actually, but you keep, keep doing it. And I promise you within 10 seconds, probably less, you're just going to start laughing. You're going to laugh at yourself. You're going to laugh at how stupid you look. And you're going to laugh at how ridiculous you feel. And, oh, that was the magic word. Instead of angry, you now feel ridiculous. Right? Instead of being pissed off, you feel silly. Instead of being focused on how angry you are at this person, your mind is completely focused on how stupid you were. Right? You can hack your feelings. If you feel depressed, go on a roller coaster. If you feel sad, watch a comedy. Now it takes, it can take time. Like I was thinking of as this list of like things that I can do that I do to hack my feelings. You know, if you're super depressed and you try to watch a comedy, we've all had those moments where it's just too, like, it's not helping. I try to watch this comedy and it is, it's yeah, not funny. Well, then do something different. Do something physical. There's, I love, you know, I can't, there's a few movies. I think What About Bob was one of the ones that kind of comes to mind where uh, <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss, I think, is in it. He ties uh, Bob to the mast of a, of a sailboat. And like, he's, he's, because I think it's What About Bob. But anyways, like, and he's up there just having a time of his life, but he's, he's like strapped to the mast, right? While he's strapped to the mast, he can't think about, all of the dangers that his hypochondriac nature was scared of, right? So if a movie doesn't cut it, go on a roller coaster. If if a roller coaster doesn't cut it, jump up and down and bang on your chest like an ape. If jumping up and down and banging on your chest like an ape doesn't cut it, go out to a dance club and just dance, right? And move and have a good time. Hack those feelings. Hack those emotions. Get your Use your body... Or external tools such as psychedelics. That's the word. Psychedelics. I, I have people that I know very closely who did ayahuasca. I've, I've got a, a few of them at this point. And they've all experienced some pretty significant uh, changes in their thought life and in who they are. That is perfect. So whether it's ayahuasca or Tarzaning your, your own joy out of, out of a moment or roller coasters or your favorite movie, whatever it is, you can hack those feelings. And then here's the thing. Now you're not thinking and feeling, you're not attracting more of the same shit. You're attracting your, your very vibration is one of joy and one of happiness. There's a reason that, uh, you know, joy is such a big deal in the scriptures. It is the, it is the law of attraction that is purest. You want more joy then be full in the joy that you have. Be joyful, right? If you want more of those things in your life, embrace them, figure out the ways. You're, you are an intelligent, divinely intelligent being that can exist on purpose. Most of us, most of the human race is on autopilot. We blame external circumstances. We have no power over our internal self and our mind and our emotions. We're very unaware and we're very, we're just bleh, Right? People listening to this podcast, I don't believe are bleh, right? We're very, we're much more awake than we were. And we are, we have the tools at our disposal to hack our bodies, to hack our human experience and to use joy, to use movement, to use our bodies, whether it's exercise or diet or habits such as going out and hanging out with friends, make getting yourself out of the house. That's one of the, you know, when people are depressed, Get yourself out of the house. Get around other people. Have a good time. Why? Because feeling is the secret. Feeling is the law of attraction. Thinking is simply an element of it. It is. It is. It can be a barometer as well of your feelings, right? But more more than anything, feeling is the secret. They express your true thoughts, not what you think you think, right? Religious religion expresses you what you think you think. I think I'm prosperous. I think I'm chosen. I think I'm righteous and holy and healthy, wealthy and wise. All of this stuff. I don't feel any of those things, but I'm, you know, by golly, by the grace of God, I think it. Well, 
I'll come back to you 20 years from now and when your life still looks the same or even worse. And I spent <laughs> five minutes a day jumping in a, up and down and pounding on my chest like an ape. But my life has completely changed because I felt good and I and my thoughts matched what I felt. Use your body, use your feelings to hack the law of attraction. Hack that vibrational frequency and turn it up. Feelings are always in the now. Your thoughts can, they can be in the now, but even then, that's only 5% of the power. 95% is the now, the vibration, the reality of your emotions and your feelings. This is why feeling truly is the secret. Feelings come from beliefs, right? Which is why in the last episode, I talked a lot about beliefs. Beliefs create your feelings. That's why when I say Donald Trump or Obama, what you believe about Donald Trump, what you believe about conservatism or the United States or whatever, that then arises your feelings. So if you want to change your feelings and you want to hack those, then you need to hack your beliefs. You need to change your beliefs. Belief IQ and uh, this program that I do uses all of these elements in chorus. It's actually a process where we address the beliefs first and then from the beliefs you roll to your feelings. From your feelings, you then roll to your actions, right? Because you you are what you do, what you feel, right? When you feel depressed, you don't do anything. When you feel happy, you go do something. When you feel, so if you want to change your life, change your beliefs. If you want to change your life, change your feelings. If you want to change your life, change your actions. And there is a cyclical reality. And each one of us is strong in some areas and weak in others. But that is the reality of the human experience. That is Belief IQ. That is what I do in my spiritual coaching. Those of you who are interested in spiritual coaching, feel free to email me, austin at newagechristianity.org. Hit me up with a Facebook message. If you have my private information, cell phone or otherwise, feel free to uh, reach out to me. I've had a few people reach out that uh, will be talking through uh, what those those things look like. But um, this is how it works. And um, I really, really encourage you, uh, that whole hacking of emotion is is a big, de- it's a big secret. Tony Robbins does that a lot. He starts all of his meetings with having the, you know, he turns up the music and he has everybody jump up and down. And then he ends, I don't know if you've seen any videos. If you haven't watched I'm Not Your Guru on Netflix, go check it out. Highly recommend it. It is Lots of language, but he uses. There's a reason for it, man. The opening scene, there's like 20 f bombs, and then you find out why later on. Um, it's a really cool, cool thing. If if language offends you, I'm sorry, but go check out. I'm not not. I'm not your guru. And in that, in all of his meetings, he starts. He turns up the music. He cranks it. They jump up and down. They yell. They scream. And it, and he always ends with this like ah! scream thing. He's doing it for a reason. It's not rah, rah, rah for no reason. It's rah, rah, rah to, to hack, use the body to hack people's feelings so that then they can be open to new ideas and open to a beautiful day and a beautiful experience. So the last little bit of this, there, there's, there's a massive piece of this equation that I did not know for a few years until the last year and a half or so, no, two years now. Emotions can get locked up in your body. Emotions are, because feeling and emotion is the secret, the reality of energy is that we have been taught to suppress a lot of what we feel, a lot of the emotions we try to feel or would like to feel, we have learned how to squelch them. So when you're angry, you've learned to just keep your mouth shut. When you're sad, you've learned not to cry because it's embarrassing. When you're when you feel unsafe, you've learned not to say something because you don't want to seem like a baby or or maybe maybe it's not safe to say something and so you just squelch things, right? There we all have whether it's abuses from other people or or ourselves, whether it's religious stuff, cultural stuff, whatever. We all have many moments in our lives where we wanted to express an emotion and for one reason or the another we did not we couldn't we wouldn't we thought we shouldn't whatever it is we chose or were forced to squelch the expression of a feeling this it creates what emotion code calls trapped emotions 
right? And so I did belief work through Psyche with people for a few years. And there were certain beliefs that people worked on that no matter how much they worked on and everything like that, they could not get change in their life. And what I found out later was that every single one of those where we worked on the beliefs, we worked on the beliefs, we worked on the beliefs. Once I found emotion code and went back to those people and back to those things, we figured out that there was an emotion, a moment in their life where they desired to express this emo- an emotion about this about a subject. And for one reason or another, they were not able to. And then that emotion got trapped. And you can envision, envision it like a, a dam in a river, right? And so when you want to let the feeling, the energy of wealth flow through your life, but you had these moments of absolute poverty and need, and it scared you or it angered you, whatever, and you did not express those as a kid or as a young adult or whatever, what happens is, is that that emotion creates a blockage for the free-flowing reality of your beliefs. You have new beliefs. You believe you're healthy. You believe you're wealthy. You believe you're wise. You truly do. You've, you've muscle tested and you've, you've done the work, but there's this blocked emotion of regret or this blocked emotion of guilt or shame or anger or whatever. Emotion code has, uh, it's, it's two columns, it's six, eight, six thirty, so 60 different emotions, I think, that uh, get blocked. And what's really crazy is that they're, they're actually trackable, traceable to where they get blocked in your body, that you have some in your spleen or your kidneys, that emotions don't just originate in the heart and they originate in the organs which is a whole other thing about frequencies and the biology of, of who we are, that science is just getting into the reality of emotions and consciousness and where they originate and what's going on. But there's a reason when certain things happen, you get sick to your stomach. There's a reason when certain things happen, people get urinary infections. There's a reason when certain things happen, you get lung cancer. Like emotions get blocked up in these different organs in these different parts of your body. And what happens is you get blockages for that relate to that emotion and the experience in which they had people who've been raped clearly there's there's an emotion that is is blocked in the in the area of love for a lot of people people who have had to declare bankruptcy there's an emotion of shame that blocks the idea of wealth and and you have to release those blocked emotions again this is all part of the belief iq process and part of the coaching i do you don't have to use my services. There is This is Emotion Code. Emotion Code is a free book. You can go download the Emotion Code app and the audio book is on there. And then the, the Emotion Code chart is on there. It does require the knowledge of muscle testing, which you can learn. Um, it's just one of the pieces of Belief IQ, but it's so valuable that I encourage you. If you've, if you've done a bunch of work on a particular area in your life, such as money or such as love, and you're stuck, and nothing is changing, and you're starting to think, Austin, this law of attraction stuff is bullshit. I would almost, I would, I would put money on what I believe to be the fact that somewhere in there, there's a blocked emotion from a past event that was not allowed to flow, and it basically became a dam in the, in the energetic river of your life, right? And that all you need to do is release that emotion some of us, when we've had the same, because one blocked emotion typically creates another bad experience and then another bad experience, another bad experience. That's why negative patterns repeat. Then that typically becomes a heart wall, which is another thing from emotion code. It's, it's beyond just one experience. It's a pattern. And so then you start to, heart walls are really interesting in that they essentially don't say this happened. It now becomes, this is how life works. This simply is how it is, right? And we all know those people like, no, Bob, it didn't just, ha- you know, it just happened. It's just a one-time thing. They go, nope, this is how life is. And they're super pessimistic about this, this particular thing. So I'm going to get a little bit vulnerable. It, it's kind of exciting to share from my own part. I discovered a really deep, I've known for a while now, um, it's hard to say when it really became so evident but it's definitely been months and probably a year or more that I've had this really deep seated sense of being a failure. And it's really, it's this really odd mix of feeling incredibly capable, incredibly intelligent. And so many people telling me, dude, oh my gosh, those things you teach are amazing. You're so smart. What do you, you know, 
when are you going to write books? I mean, and it's so reinforcing, right? And my, my business acumen and everything like that. And this isn't to toot my own horn. This is just the reality of living in my life. And those of you who know me and know that there's have, and have plenty of said, like, man, who, what you're capable of being and what your life looks like, even your ability to do a podcast and show that, why doesn't it match up? And my thought has been, well, you, you tell me, cause I can't freaking figure it out. I've not been able to figure it out. And I know all of this stuff. And I went through, you know, spirit led and watched this uh, show unsinkable. And I can't even remember, you know, how it is when you're watching something and the point of it is one thing, but this little nugget over here to the left kind of stands out and, and your mind just goes off and it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. And one of those things happened in that movie. And again, I can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking something in my childhood taught me that I receive love when I fail. I began to meditate around what happened, what failure did I have in my life that I must, you know, my parents must have showered love and affection on me after the failure. And so I subconsciously had this emotion or this belief that when I fail, people love me. I dug through it and dug through it and I just wasn't coming up with anything. So, okay, well, maybe, maybe that's not the right thought. But something, I know it, I know there's something in my childhood that happened in regards to failure. And it's, and it's this weird mix of, I'm capable of anything. I can take over the world. I can change the world, but I'm going to fail. And I, I was driving along and I'm going into town. I was coming back from the chiropractor and I realized, oh my goodness, there is this one memory I have from when I was a kid that comes up all the time. It comes up, it's for years. It was 25 years ago, I think. And it comes up at least three to four times a year out of nowhere. I'll be thinking about what I want to have for lunch. And then this emotion will well up from within me of this sense of failure. And it's, so the story is, I'll just, I'll tell you the short version. So when I was younger, I was good. I would play baseball and I was good. And I was on a team that was, uh, really good. And we won all the time. They ended up, once we split, got to the next level, they split that team up so that we wouldn't just go to the next level of the little league and just keep winning. And so I ended up by myself on the team that up to this point had, hadn't won a couple games in a, hadn't won a game in a couple of years and they were terrible. And on top of that, the coach had quit and the new guy, the new coach was a guy's dad who clearly didn't know what he was doing. And when he found out that I was going to be on the team, he actually called me and asked if I'd be willing to help help him with practices. And so it came out, I was, you know, when you're in baseball, when you do fly ball practice, you know, somebody's got to hit those balls. When you do ground ball practice, somebody's got to hit those balls. When you do pitching or hitting practice, somebody's got to pitch. And so I ended up doing all of those things because this coach couldn't hit a ball. And, uh, you know, he knew some of the mental principles, but he wasn't athletic at all. And so I would hit ground ball practice. I would hit fly ball practice and we lost a bunch of games or a few games. And then we, and then, uh, we kept doing, and I kept kind of helping with some training and stuff like that. We started winning long story short. We made it all the way to the championship. There's other elements of, of we weren't, we wouldn't have even been in the championship had it not been for what I was able to to do. And in the championship game, um, we were, we were even in the game because I had hit a couple home runs and we get down is literally bottom of the ninth bases loaded two outs. And I'm up to bat. If you don't know anything about baseball, that just basically means this is the dream scenario for anybody who wants to be a hero in sports that it was the championship game at the most pivotal moment and there's an opportunity to hit the ball and win the game and be the hero. And I go up and long story short, the pitcher throws the ball. I think the ball is low. I don't swing and the umpire calls a strike. Pitcher throws again, same spot. I think the ball's too low. I don't swing. The umpire calls a strike. Third one, same spot. You guessed it. I think the ball is too low. I don't swing. The umpire calls a strike. Literally three pitches, three no swings. 
I'm out, game's over, we lose. And what that put in me as a kid is that I may be the best. I was the best player on the team. We were in the game because of the things I was able to do. I helped the coach run practices and all this stuff. And by the way, uh, for those of you who are listening who might have been on that team and you remember this differently, I may be, my details may be so far off because you know how childhood memories, the when you have a negative memory, you can embellish, you can remember differently. I'm doing my best to be absolutely clear on what I remember, but that's the whole point of this podcast, this episode, this story, is the memories are what matter. Whether it's accurate or not, whether I was as big of a deal as I thought I was or whatever, my emotional imprint was I am the best, but when it really matters, I fail. Not only do I fail, I fail bad, right? And other people, I I didn't swing because I didn't think I was supposed to swing. I didn't think it was a strike. So it was. It's other people's opinions. It's other people's work. It's it's me still doing my best because all I had to do, by the way, the bases were loaded. If he would have walked me, we still would have tied the game because we just would have walked somebody from third, third base over. So I was doing my best, and it was somebody else's call that made me a failure, right? And so when I look at my life and I realize, oh my gosh, all these places where I'm so confident, I'm so ready, willing, and able to take charge and be a leader, even when it's above my pay grade, as far as my age goes or whatever, like I'll do it because I can, and I know I can, but when it really matters, I fail. When it really matters, somebody else's decisions screw me over. When it really matters, I do my best and it's not good enough. Now, I think I was 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there when this happened. But I realized that for years, my subconscious has been trying, trying to remind me, or trying to help me, trying to let me release this sense of failure, let me release this energy of no matter how good you are, Austin, it's not good enough. You might be the best, but you will fail. And when you look at my life and the business ideas I've pursued and the different projects I've done, that has been this core mantra that I am, I'm super good. I'm really good at what I do. I'm one of the best you'll find, but when it really matters, it's not going to work. And I've been very aware of it, even doing this NAC podcast. You, many of you who've heard me have, you know, could articulate, oh my gosh, this Austin's a great teacher. He's a communicator, everything that. And this NAC, if I kept this belief, this NAC would, would go nowhere. My desire is that it would go somewhere and it would help change, do its part to change the world. But I have to find this core blocked emotion, this heart wall that I have created because I've had many failures since. So I have a heart wall around failure and I have the tools to be able to deal with it. Even as I'm talking, I'm realizing, oh, I need to go, I need to go deal with this heart wall because it wasn't just one moment. It's been many, 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 many moments. And some, some of those emotions, it's, it's one thing to have a sense of failure and guilt and shame. It's a whole other thing to have anger about failure or resentment about failure or, you know, whatever. You get the idea. The not, there's not just one emotion. And when you have multiple emotions around one concept, it creates a bigger thing. And it creates a, a thick wall that doesn't allow that energy and the law of attraction to flow through you. It just gets blocked by your emotions' inability to truly feel oh my gosh, I'm finally going to be wealthy. I'm, oh my gosh, I'm finally going to fill in the blank. Not to be overlooked. Uh, since unlocking this just a week ago, in, the, in three out of the last seven days, I've gone to my mailbox and had a surprise check or cash in the mail, which if you watch The Secret, they talk about instead of check, expecting bills, expe- expect checks. And I've worked on that for a long time, but for some reason, and I know the reason, I've finally been able to unlock this sense of failure and I'm now getting checks in the mail. You know, and I hope to be able to continue and say, hey, there's more checks in the mail. <laughs> With that, uh, consider donating to Category 5. <laughs> consider donating to NAC, which is its parent organization is Category 5 Ministries. Um, and... Uh, you know, we appreciate uh, all those of you who just ask Spirit whether or not you should. As always, 
just asking is, is all we ask. So that is the kind of the cherry on top for the philosophy behind the secret. That uh, feeling is the secret. If you want to change your feelings, change your beliefs. If you want to change your beliefs, learn something new. You want help? Give me a call. Send me an email. But uh, we're going to uh, start going into some of the how-tos of, uh, the, of the secret of the law of attraction. And uh, then after that, we're going to get into specific applications around things like money, relationships, and the world, and so on and so forth. So we are three episodes in. We have 10 more to go. I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you have any questions, anything you want me to uh, address, you know, hit me up on Facebook. Ask the, the Facebook group. I can uh, you know, put together a list of questions and maybe cover it in that final episode. Uh, ask, answer those specific questions again these episodes are not going to be up on the podcast feed past the last week that uh, they air it will then be turned into a class so if you want to engage now by all means do so uh, otherwise there will be a class that you can log into and everything like that too so hope you're doing well hope you have a great week i'm looking forward to seeing you guys in the next episode thank you for hearing my story and uh Enjoy hacking those feelings and jumping up and down and pounding your chest like an ape. It's a lot of fun and it is silly and it definitely hacks a negative day any day. It just makes, at least for me, it just makes me feel like an idiot and I love it because uh, I'd much rather feel like an idiot in a positive, fun way than feel like a failure or anything else any day. So, hope that helps. Bless you guys. See you on the next episode.